Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. Subscribers to this podcast will know that the school's long-standing Head of Opera Studies, Clive Timms, stepped down last Easter, and I'm delighted that I have his successor, Dominic Wheeler, here with me now. So welcome, Dominic. Um, Dominic, you came to us in the Royal Academy of Music um, in the spring. Um, so can you tell us about your career so far and what brought you to go at all? Yeah, I was... Um uh, I set out down the normal path as a conductor and a pianist, and uh, I was conducting opera, opera kind of all over the world about ten years ago. And then we started a family. And um, when my second child was born, I decided that I didn't want to be travelling so much anymore. I didn't want to go away from home to do opera anymore because it's a miserable distance. So uh, I um, I set about doing more symphonic conducting, but I also started doing conservatory level teaching at that point. Actually, Clive approached me because I put the word around a few people that I was intending to go in this line. He was one of several people who approached me. So I did join the staff at the Guildhall uh, and I conducted here in a couple of times and did scenes and things, but on a sort of occasional basis. I ended up doing more at the Academy. There wasn't official, I didn't have a post at the Academy or anything like that. And it became, I suppose, by the time I got the job at Guildhall, I was doing about four or five months a year, was this kind of conservatoire level, elite level music work and the rest of it was just conducting and uh, a little bit of piano playing and a certain amount of private coaching as well and that just it was whatever I could sort of make settle down with my family life which I continue to do we have three children now and um, I suppose uh, when the job here came up what attracted me was it was it was a chance to just from a personal level what attracted me I mean I gained through that time I didn't go looking for it but I gained various passions that I hadn't had before uh, to do with this elite level education work and also with the kind of work you can do, outreach work and all sorts of things. So alongside the kind of glamorous stuff that I was used to, the, this kind of work actually I found, noticed I found every bit as, if not more fulfilling in different ways. And um, so it became more and more something I, I got very enthusiastic about. And, um, uh, and it's made for a very kind of rich, um, uh, spread of work that I do now, which I really love. And um, when this job came up, initially I, I said to them that, that with Clive used to do a lot of the administration here, which I would have been hopeless at, so I said I couldn't possibly do it on those terms. But when they talked to me about the possibility of continuing to do what I do outside, and, and but also finding a, around six months of the year to, to be here to look after the opera course, then it really appealed. It was a, from a personal point of view, it was a chance to. Uh, centralised things during term time in London. I have a daughter who goes to school across the road, City of London School for Girls. And um, and it was also just a chance, I think, to take the work that I'd been doing in this kind of educational work to a different level because what I'd been doing before at the Academy and elsewhere was simply teaching, coaching, conducting and all of that. And I've really enjoyed uh, the... There'd always been a pastoral element to that, but I'd really enjoyed... Uh, that pastoral elements I really enjoy, um, uh, and I've really, really enjoyed coming in here. What particularly attracted me to Guildhall was that the the planning of productions and everything is a very structured, very well organised, fantastic, well organised thing. You get fantastic support here that's beyond, way beyond what the other any other conservatoire I know offers because the technical theatre department is so kind of militant. <laughs> and uh, um, but also it's just so very well supported here that um, in terms of being somewhere where you can plan exciting things. Um, it's a fantastic environment and it's a very vibrant place with Milton Court opening and, and the partnerships with the Barbican and, and uh, other partnerships that have come into being partly through me and were coming into Guildhall through me anyway even when I wasn't appointed and whatever. It's just, um, 
it presented a lot of, it seemed, to, personally to me, it seemed to be a sort of consolidation of, of something that's been growing for, since I made that kind of founding decision 10 years ago. Um, and I still am doing a lot of stuff outside. I've just been with Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra, I've got BBC Philharmonic next week, and I still do plenty of that kind of work. And I, lo I love that, and I love the way they interact with each other. And, and um, that's quite a conscious thing here at Guildhall anyway. I think they like to have that. They like to have us out doing stuff, basically, as yeah, I can tell. one can inform um, the other. Yeah, yeah, they do feed each other. And you um, were speaking about productions. Um, yeah. The mm. first opera on, under your watch here was yes. Ned Warham's Our Town, yeah, um, yeah. which took place in June. Yeah. Um, contemporary opera, in the round, um, quite a kind of intimate chamber opera. Yeah. Um, this term you've programmed something rather different, haven't you? I have. Actually, I didn't program Our Town, I should say. Our Town was Clive Timmons' idea, and it became his farewell piece. Um, uh, so this term's production is the first one that's been my idea. Um, and, uh, in fact, the first thing that happened when I was appointed, I walked in here in January, I've been appointed in Christmas, and Clive said, if there's one thing I'm fed up of doing, it's choosing operas. Um, because the brief for choosing the operas is really simple. Uh, you get in the library and you find, we make a promise to all the students here that in their second year they'll get at least two substantial roles on the stage, ideally three. Therefore, the repertoire is really simple. You, you have to find pieces that fit the group. That's it. Um, and then ideally you have to find a stylistic, whatever. But um, we knew we had a Figaro group, so that was exciting. So the first task was to find a contrast to Figaro. I knew that I had two or three singers who were particularly not necessarily natural Mozart singers or more dramatic, more romantic repertoire singers. And so I set about finding some pieces that would enable them to get their teeth into romantic repertoire, but not sing a full-length romantic role, which is why I immediately started to think in terms of double or triple bill, um, to find some big one-actors that they could get their teeth stuck into some really dramatic repertoire without having to deal with the stamina issues of singing an entire evening of that kind of stuff. That was the name of the game. That's what I, I, that's where I kind of started. And um, we had one particular singer, Rasheen, who's going up from Mezzo to Soprano, so that's why I picked... La Navarez, because that was a role that was sung by both in Massenet's lifetime, so it was perfect for her. Um, so, we're doing, in the end, the only way I could make it all fit is to find out with a triple bill, um, which has only been done occasionally over the years. Um, we're doing two by Massenet, La Navarez, which is a big, verismo, dramatic piece, a bit like Tosca or something like that. Um, uh, huge orchestra, um, squashed into the pit, absolutely enormous. Um, followed by another Massenet piece that's a bit more lyrical, which is uh, called Le Portrait de Manon, which is a sequel to a sort of 20 years later sequel to his most famous opera, Manon. And uh, includes some of the tunes from it. If you know the Manon, you'll recognize some of the tunes. It's Chevalier de Grieux, kind of 20 in therapy 20 years later, really. Um, and then I saw the idea that there, well, there was something a little bit like Puccini's Tritico emerging of a big dramatic opera, a more lyrical middle opera, which made me think in, in Puccini, it's Gianni Schicchi, there's this more sort of mad, sort of slightly surreal uh, comedy to finish with. So I thought, well, we'll find a comedy to finish, because that's a lot of music we're ready to get through, something lighter to finish with. And I set out, I, I aimed to keep the French theme, and Martinou wrote four or five short one-act, very surreal in some cases, um, comedies in French, and I intended to try and program one or other of those. In the end, none of them quite fitted the group of singers I had well enough. Um, so I compromised on uh, Comedy on the Bridge, which is uh, which actually Clive did us a very good English translation of. And um, uh, so, yeah, this is a surreal anti-war kind of comedy. But it kind of fits because the Navarez is also a wartime piece. It's set okay. in wartime. Comedy on the Bridge is also set in wartime. 
And thematically, the, the production team very much felt that the three pieces did have connections. They haven't overplayed them in the production, but, but they were very aware that there's, there is a sense in which they didn't feel like, they said, I don't think any of us feel like we've sort of shoved together three random pieces. We have found something that will make an evening in the theatre, sort of very, a three-course meal in the theatre, if you like. Oh, That's nice. the kind of plan. <laughs> That's the idea, really. And, um, uh, and it's given all the students something to get their teeth into, which has been great. Yeah, because for um, students here, obviously, um, the opera course is the kind of most advanced vocal course yeah. in the school. Yeah. Um, some of these um, students will have been in higher education for at least seven years. Yeah. Um, but is there still uh, doing a triple bill with very contrasting pieces? Some people will have a role in m maybe two of those shows. Yeah. Is that quite challenging to, for them to move from one style to another within the same evening? And I think it is. It's a different challenge. Uh, I think um, at the top of my list of priorities in terms of the challenge we try to set them, I, um, I would love all of them, in, in, during their second year when they do three opera productions, at least once, I would love all of them to go through the process of doing a role for which there exists... Um, a vast tradition of performance, so they have that with Figaro next turn, where there's 100 recordings, everyone's done it, everyone knows it, one of those. Yeah. And then I would love them to go through the experience of doing a role that's exactly the opposite. Now that might be, where it's as if they're creating the role for themselves. Now there are a couple of recordings from Navarez, I think there's one of Comedy on the Bridge, I don't think there is one of Portrait of Manon, but they're not basically pieces anyone knows, which is a kind of liberating thing for them. On the other hand, it's a frightening thing because they've got nothing to go on except what's on the page and what they come up with. On another level, it's liberating because they're not saddled with expectation. The other way around is for, for, for Figaro, of course, is, um, you know, on one level, there's, there's a very good tradition and there's lots of very good performances to draw inspiration from, but the difficulty is you still have to make it your own somehow. Yeah. And you have to lose your fear of, of, of audience expectation, of the fact that somebody wants to hear it a certain way and all that. Um, and you have to go through that. That's the life of an opera singer. So I want them to sort of experience both of those. Um, for Figaro, obviously the challenge, especially for the longer roles, is just the length, the stamina, the length, and the, the time living with this one person for all that length of time. They're, sort of, you know, they're, they're, going, they're already working on it now, most of them are learning it over the summer. So by the time they perform it, they will have been you know, living with those personalities for six, eight months. You know. um, and it's a different discipline to do a triple bill where several of them, quite a few of them are only playing one character, but several of them are playing two or even three characters right. at one time or another in the evening. And, um, uh, and yes, to f especially most of them that are in Comedy on the Bridge are in one of the others. And to flit from one to the other in, you know, is, is a, a, dis a different discipline, of course, and is very valuable. I think where they get to in terms of their dramatic training, what the opera course is about, I think, is uh, in the first year it's about learning how to, to work well on stage, how to collaborate well, how to, uh, uh, how to be inside a character just from a scene. Whereas there's a slightly different discipline in the second year when they do full opera productions where they have to create a whole character. That's a slightly different thing again, psychologically. And, and um, that's what it's all about. And I'm, it's kind of, the characters in all three operas are so sort of strong, even though they're not necessarily on the stage for that long, that it, it's an extra opportunity to create, you know, even more characters in the course of the year, basically, to go through that process. You know, you, normally you'd expect to go through it three times, but some of them will have done four or even five characters by the time they finish this year, which yeah. would be quite a job. <laughs> Lots to get their you know, teeth into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the creative team on this triple bill have all worked at the school before. They have, yeah. Um, what do you think they bring to this production? Well, um, and they've all worked together before, but never here, actually. Um, uh, Stephen Barlow, the, this is Stephen Barlow, the director, as opposed to Stephen Barlow, the conductor, who conducts in some of that stream, um, is... Uh, um, 
he, to me, he's kind of a perfect combination. He's, 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 he's young and enthusiastic, and he really connects with them. At the same time, he's, he's already very experienced, very accomplished. Um, uh, I picked him specifically because I knew I needed someone who was going to be level-headed with the pressures, the logistic pressures, and the toughness of doing a triple build, because it's a lot of work, it's yeah. a lot to handle. Um, and uh, and he's, he's got fantastic kind of focus in rehearsal, um, but he has a very gentle way of articulating himself, and he's very, he's both enthusiastic and yet very compassionate at the same time, which, um, and I was conscious that the students were going to feel, I had set them quite a big challenge, and they would need someone who was going to push them, but who was going to look after them, and they, where they would feel in safe, safe hands. And um, uh, so his style for all of that is perfect. The other thing about Stephen is he's, he's done a very wide range of repertoire through his time. He's very familiar with both modern and romantic repertoire. Um, he's very good, and he just speaks very good French. He did Carmelites for us before. Um, so uh, it just seemed to me that his sensibilities and also his personal disposition were kind of perfect for, for this project and this group. Um, similarly, Peter Robinson, who's the conductor, is, he's the artist director of British Youth Opera. As you know, he coaches here a lot. Um, this is the first big role for several of the students. I wasn't available to conduct it. I set myself the task of finding a project. Uh, I was hoping to conduct this time, but I'm not available to, to, for enough of the rehearsals to be able to do it, so um, that's why I'm starting conducting next term. And I, want, I was very conscious the students would feel quite, um, might feel a bit overawed by just the size of the project. Uh, Peter's someone who, who works here regularly, he's conducted here before, he's also coached here. Everybody knows him. He also, of course, many of them have worked with him at British Youth Opera. So again, um, also very experienced in this repertoire. Uh, it was to have someone who I knew would work them hard, but also would similarly look after them, um, who they, with whom they felt they, they, they would, from before day one, know they had a conductor they could trust. They don't have to go through the whole process of trying to get to know the conductor and work out how he works and whether they, you know, all that. Um, so it was kind of set in, so you have a, people who are very experienced in the repertoire and who are going to be, you know, um, I don't know, just pastorally well set to look mm. after in this way. Similarly, with the there's a, there's, there's a very particular responsibility to being a designer here because you have this huge responsibility as a designer to an enormous number of technical theatre students yeah. who are you know whose entire project experience is based on you basically. <laughs> and um, well, there's David, the lighting designer as well, of course. And uh, but Yanis has worked here several times. And what's fantastic about Yanis, apart from that, he's an extremely nice man, is that he is so clear and detailed with what he wants. So. Um, uh, for the less experienced students who aren't always sure, you know, how to realise designs or how to do what a designer is asking of them, he's just so good at how he deals with them and, and just they know exactly what's required of them. And uh, again, he's very detailed, he's very exacting, he knows exactly what he wants. Um, and uh, uh, those, those, those um, responsibilities that a designer has, is, you know, the, the choosing designers is almost more difficult in some ways than, than anybody else because they have so many... Because designers, of course, are, are often naturally... Um, not always people who are, they're all, I've, I've never met one who I didn't like, but they're not always, they're often quite shy as people. And, and, and so the kind of, the role that they have to take on when they come in here is quite a demanding one for a designer, I think. Um, but Yanis is brilliant at it, he's done it here a few times, he loves working here and we love working with him. So, in all cases, we were very aware we were undertaking a pretty ambitious project. Yeah. Triple bills are ambitious, anyway, double bills are ambitious. And, we, and we've assembled a team that we know everybody trusts, and I suppose that was my key word. I wanted to find a team that I knew we trusted, wasn't one to try out, someone I've worked with and I know, but nobody else in here does. And if like that was just not the way to do it, I needed to pick a team who I knew everyone here were happy with. Um, uh, and it's so far it's working very well. 
Excellent. Well, you um, already mentioned that we have Marriage of Figaro coming along next we term. Um, and we can reveal exclusively on the events podcast that the Summertime Opera is Britain's Owen Wingrave, right. um, tying in with um, next year's Britain anniversary celebrations, right. of course. So um, you already spoke a bit about programming. Um, so when you're looking across your year, are you looking to cover different compositional styles as well as in terms of um, operas that have existed for a long time and are very well known? Um, and do you have specific students in mind for all of those roles, or is it a case of you might have a key role here and then you kind of feed in the rest? Um, it can work a number of different ways, basically. Um, you Obviously, something that matters to me is that they, we get through a spread of languages through the year, because we possibly can. Yeah. It doesn't always work. Um, Clive was very, very good at it. He did do two in English last year, which was rare. Um, uh, but that that's, I mean, the idea to be doing French and then Italian and then English was just how it works out, and you're looking for a spread of styles, I think you do want to be doing a range of, of, of styles of music, which we, again, we've got 18th, 19th, 20th centuries this time, kind of happily represented, so I'm very happy with all of that. Um, there's also the orchestral students to bear in mind, that of you course, want to make yeah. sure you're giving the right challenges for them, so we've, this term is the sort of whopping juicy stuff, and then um, there's a group that gets to do Figaro. In the summer term, we normally aim to do uh, smaller scale operas uh, because the undergraduates have exams so generally speaking the orchestra in the summer is postgraduate so we tend to be looking for chamber opera which means that in the summer you also tend to be looking towards contemporary not always there are other ones but that's what you should one generally is looking towards modern contemporary repertoire for them so I tend to provide the aim is somewhere earlier in the year to provide the all the more standard repertoire pieces in the foreign languages by and large but that's yeah. a very vague generalisation beyond that what I've got going around my head at the moment is just sort of uh, I and mean, when I was putting together these pieces, um, uh, between the two of them, the first term and the second term, everyone has a pretty equal bite of the cherry, so I was fairly free for the summer term opera to just pick something that I thought would ever give everyone a shot. At other times, though, you're always conscious that maybe in the first two terms, somebody hasn't really got, uh, hasn't had as much of a bite of the cherry as some of the others, and so you're always looking to try and ensure that over the three terms, just the level of opportunities as balanced as possible. Yeah. You d and the students are very understanding about it. They know that you can't always succeed, but they do know also that we, tr that we really try to do that. Yeah. And I think as long as it's transparent that way, they live with what happens. Because it's a real um, showcase for them, isn't it? They have agents and other people agents, coming to see companies, them. Absolutely, agents, companies, press, all those people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an important um, exposure for them. Many of them already have agents, some of them don't yet. And, and uh, we would expect over the course of the second year that a good portion of them who didn't have agents at the start of will by the end because they come and see them here. Yeah. Um, and obviously we have a responsibility to present them um, at their best. Yeah. Um, so we have to find roles for them that present them at the, where they don't feel that they've necessarily just been in a sort of... Well, I mean, we, what we attempt to do actually is simulate professional conditions, which is that, you know, a fair amount of the time you get to sing a role that's perfect for you. Sometimes you sing a role that's not quite what you dream of singing, but nonetheless that you can do. Yeah. Um, which is how it works in the big wide world. And, and again, they, they, you know, they, they're very realistic. I mean, they're grown-ups, so they're very realistic about the fact that they, you know, we can't just produce tailor-made roles for all 12 of them in all, 12, in all three operas. It's not possible. But, uh, you know, we can try, and, but that's, that's all we can do. Um, so, but yeah, you're absolutely right that it's, a, it's an important um, platform for them. And... Uh, um, yeah, we, we, have, we definitely have a responsibility to cast them in stuff that they feel suits them and that they're really well prepared for, you know.
Yeah. And we've we've mainly talked about productions for second years here, but of course there's a whole first year of this course right. which is focused on opera scenes and kind of putting the building blocks in place That's for the right, larger yeah. productions. Mm-hmm. So what do you enjoy most about leading this course as a whole? Is there is there something that's particularly special about this course as a whole? I think the thing I'm really enjoying that I haven't done before that I'm particularly enjoying is all the planning of repertoire is is uh, uh, great fun. Um, I love. Um, Already in the short time I've been here, I've seen people come in who they've come into the course with, with obviously very considerable strengths in certain areas, and sometimes not considerable but weaknesses in others. And to see that progress, to sort of be be able to construct the work that they're going to do here in such a way that those things get addressed, and see them become what I regard as sort of complete performance by the time they're finished, that's a real pleasure. The um, the aim is that what I don't think the course is about is just about acquiring skills. You do arrive with some very strong skills and you, you, you arrive lacking some other skills and so you do acquire those skills through the year. But that's not the main thing and it's not the main thing that gives us pleasure. You give them the skills, they learn the skills, that's great. What becomes exciting is when they get to the point where rather than just being able to do that stuff, they somehow they get to a point where they absorb it in such a way that actually they just become real storytellers. So when they stand on the stage you wouldn't know what they were good at or not good at a year ago. They're just a complete performer who can tell a story and they've learned certain things and other things they can do very well. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell from a year before what their strengths and weaknesses are um, because what they're doing now is just doing one thing, which is being a character and telling a story kind of freely. That's where we need to get them, yeah. where they have all the craft and the skill to do that and then to sort of forget the craft and the skill and just be able to do it. Um, that's where I aim to get them, and it's seeing them grow into those kind, of, mature into those kind of artists. That's the, the thing I love the most, um, and trying to sort of pick the work that gives them the confidence to do that. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, they arrive very um, like the new look that we just arrived. They arrive very enthusiastic, um, very capable in some ways, a bit, little bit nervous, and less confident in other ways. And it's. It's seeing their confidence, kind of seeing them kind of grasp things, so that they grow in confidence, and and that's and and the, and the sort of way that then, what you notice with the, by the time they get to the end of the second year, most of them have this kind of ease about them because they feel, you know, they've just sort of absorbed all that stuff, and and hopefully we you know we've managed to kind of, just through building them up, manage to sort of you know, allow those insecurities to melt away. That's a great pleasure in terms of you know. And um, that's what a mature artist is, I think, you know, where they don't feel self-conscious or nervous about things anymore, they can just do their thing. That's kind of, that's what I've, I enjoy most about it. I think. And you see them go out into the profession and do really exciting things. do really things. well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And we do get already, you know, I mean, even some of the people I've been resourceful in Cloud have been having it for years, people coming out, they do completely notice that the Guildhall students are, you know, always very, very ready for the, for the profession and very, you know, very well prepared and very... Um, you know, they, they have, they, they're sort of very well equipped, basically, and uh, it's amazing to see some of the things that they're doing. We've already got, I mean, there's one boy, Hadley Adams, who's in our, just, it's just in the first year, he's already got, he knows what he's doing next already, because he's on the Young, young Artist Programme in San Francisco, um, so he already knows what he's going on to do. And, um, uh, you know, we've got all those kind of auditions and things coming up now, and uh, it's very exciting, so, you know, I know they're all doing very well. So, yeah. And finally, as Head of Opera, um, Obviously, you get to make um, strategic decisions, so not just in terms of which operas are going to be performed, but in terms of the direction of the course yeah. and collaborations and things. Do you have an idea about where you want to see the programme ahead in the future? Kind of any exciting plans in mind? I mean, I think Clive and I talked about this a lot when he when he was um, 
you know, when we, when we were doing our handover term earlier this year. I think we were very aware that there were, um, there's two things that are fundamentally changing in the modern climate. One of them is the opening of Milton Court for us, yeah. obviously. Um, and the other is uh, the fact that um, collaboration, especially international collaboration, is very, within the education sector is very much more the order of the day. Um, uh, I think even 10, 15 years ago, all the other London colleges or around the world, academies, institutions tended to sort of plough their own furrow much more than they do now. They work together much, much more. Uh, own wing growth is the first step in that direction because we're doing that as a co-production with the BAMP Centre in Canada. So we will take a cast of singers and some technical theatre students and a repetiteur, um, among others, to BAMP to do the opera again as part of their summer programme next summer. Um, and there's a whole sort of complementary level of training alongside what we do here that they will do as part of that course, movement training and acting training, all sorts of stuff that basically we do here, but more of it in, in this kind of concentrated Rocky Mountains environment. <laughs> um, we're, um, we're also looking at uh, uh, the other, so that's strategically there are two things I think. One, one of them is, is this international collaboration thing I think is going to happen more. I am very keen to ensure that, the, I mean we get asked every five minutes by people who want to work with Guildhall. For me, um, I, I'm in the very luxurious position of only needing to work with, with, with you know, only need to work with anyone when I'm thoroughly convinced that on the other hand it, it it um, complements the very structured and really well-constructed course that Clive has put together. I don't intend to change that in the slightest because there's a reason why it's become the best opera course there is and it's because it's very well-structured and I'm, I, what I will, will never do, um, consciously anyway, is, um, is, is allow the integrity of that to be disrupted at all, absolutely not. The, the other thing that's changed in terms of the way the professional works these days is that there is a disproportionately large amount of work out there now for young singers doing contemporary music. There's a lot, lot more. Just a basic kind of practical employability thing that's yeah. changed. Two things have changed. You have to be way better at languages than you had to be 20 years ago. And you have to be way more fluent in, with modern music than you had to be 20 years ago. Um, completely different level of stuff. So I need to... And in terms of what's going to happen to them, the minute they walk out the door, that's something that's going to kind of come straight at them. Some of their earliest opportunities definitely are going to be in that kind of repertoire. Um, so uh, I, I, we have been looking at, at introducing a little bit more of, uh, maybe more contemporary, but also a little bit more of um, the opportunity to actually workshop and develop pieces as part of their work here. We're actually including in the scenes this term uh, a scene from, the, from an opera that's still in development, an opera based by, or written by Stephen McNeff on Giles Foden's novel, The Last King of Scotland. Um, uh, which actually we've been developing at the BAMP Centre for a while and um, it's a fantastic piece, it's really well written for singers, it's a great ensemble piece so it fits all the things I need in any case for the scenes but it's also that Stephen will come in and work with us on it and, and maybe rewrite some of it in rehearsal and all that kind of thing. So which is an amazing see. learning experience. Yeah, it's a great, so, sort of, so that's a good thing for them to be doing. Mm. The basic aim I think is to find ways to respond to the way the world is changing in those ways that doesn't corrupt you know the integrity of, of the course that's already been established because it's so well put together and well supported that I wouldn't want to change any of that because I'd be crazy really to do so. <laughs> well thank you so much for speaking to us Dominic. Um, we're very much um, looking forward to the Triple Bill which takes place at the beginning of November. Tickets are on sale from the Barbican box office now. Thank you for speaking to us and um, good luck with rehearsals. Thank you.